Hey, good morning. It's good to be with you again. Uh, In the earlier service, I said that I was happy that this was my last time to be with you, Um, and that didn't go over well because I just kind of accidentally said it, and everyone was like, that's offensive. But um, no, we're very happy that this church has uh, called a new senior pastor to be with you all. Um, You've heard me say before just how much I love strategically where Enid is in this part of the state and how people can see this as you know, really a center for their lives. And so we're really grateful, at least at Henderson Hills, that there is a gospel church up here that can do that work. Um, it's been a thrill for many of us to be a part of this journey for you, with you guys and, and sending up others. Uh, I don't know if he mentioned it, but when David Chung was here, so one of the guys I think was here about two weeks ago, it was his first time to ever seen a grain elevator. And he had no idea what that spaceship was about. But uh, you've... <laughs> You've been teaching us in more ways than you know. If you have your Bible, would you please open it to Psalm 92? And I'll be reading from there and we'll be working from there for the next several minutes. Psalm 92 says to us, a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and to the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, and the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever." But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil, and my eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies, and my ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. And the righteous flourish like the palm tree, And grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord, and they flourish in the courts of our God, and they still bear fruit in old age, and they are never full, and they are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. This is the word of the Lord to us. If you are like me and you ever try to invite anyone to church or a Bible study or just a time where people gather and worship, there's this kind of freak out moment to where you might have invited them to the one service where it's weird. You know, like, well, don't worry, no one else knows that song either. I don't, that's why no one's singing or ah, the message a little bit off or everyone's kind of awkward or everyone's gone because it's summer. It's really hard, I think, just as a Christian to actually practice what we'll be doing forever someday when we're with God, and that is to just worship Him continually. And especially if you're not a Christian. I mean, if you're, if you're new to the Christian faith or you're just a visitor this morning, what we do together as Christians is bizarre to the world. We're praying to someone we can't see. We're singing about someone and what they've done for thousands of years. We're fellowshipping with people who don't look like us, who don't act like us. We have nothing in common except this like creedal faith that we all promise. We give our lives over to people. So you might be wondering, what in the world are Christians doing and how do they do it? And if you are a Christian, you may face again and again that time that often all of us do, 
where you walk into a room where it's time to worship with others and you just don't feel it. You know, people are like, let's sing to the Lord. And it's like, you know what, let's not. <laughs> or look at, look at all the amazing things God is doing. And it's like, I just left the hospital and it's sad. And so Christians live in this tension of we're called to worship and we're called to ask others to worship with us. But oftentimes we don't know how. Or we don't know what that would ultimately look like. And I think Psalm 92 wonderfully answers that. How can we worship and how are we able to worship? I think here the psalmist gives us, um, well, according to my outline, five things. At least there are five, I hope there are five things because that's what we'll be walking through today. So how are we able to worship? I think the first thing that we see in this text is that we're able to worship because we see God's love and His faithfulness all the time. Look at verse 1 with me again. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and to the harp, to the melody of the lyre. The psalm begins with this declaration of good and high praise to a Most High God, it says there in the first verse. And he doesn't just do this like aimlessly or without help, he does it with music and he does it with instruments. All of us would know that when, the more we incorporate this perfect worship, it seems like the louder and the brighter it should be. Here, we are called together to proclaim His love and His faithfulness. And even though oftentimes we don't feel it, we have to acknowledge that the truth of it being there. You know, ask someone around you who is just a little bit more mature in the faith than you. Tell, tell me about God being faithful in your life. I would imagine that stories will just unfold. Tell me about where you felt God's love or felt people showing God's love to you. That's one of the reasons why you guys just promised to this couple this morning, like, we, we will do this. We affirm this. We will show love to you and receive love from you. So here, the, the psalmist is just saying, we can do that and not in vain. We can sing to the Lord because He is most high. We can thrive in praise and thanksgiving. And, and here, the psalmist makes it much of a lifestyle. You know, there's morning and evening. Um, I'm, I don't know about you. I'm not a morning person. I'm also not a night owl. I just don't like to be awake. You know, I love to sleep. And I sleep really poorly. So I'll wake up like five times. And, and I shouldn't. Like, I'm young and vibrant. Just sleep nine hours. And it's like, nope. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, this is the worst. And then, and then when I go to sleep at night, it's like, honestly, I want to watch Netflix again, even though it's 11 a.m. and I'm an adult. You know, so, but here the psalmist is saying, in the morning and in the evening, we are praising the Lord because He is on high and He is doing something that we can just capture and view. So we're able to worship because we acknowledge His, his love and His faithfulness in our lives, but also we're able to worship now because of His power in the created world around us. So look at verse 4. It says, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. So he transitions here, the psalmist, from speaking about God. Now he's, he's changing now, speaking directly to God. And he's just saying, how great are your works. And if we just take a step back in life and just acknowledge all the things that God does on a macro level, like for us, Like, when we need water, it is there. When we need food, it is there. When we need people around us, you know, oftentimes we feel very lonely. But here, there are like, what, 200 people here? Like, 
every week on purpose to be around you. Like God is giving us so much to just live and thrive with. Um, you know, it's amazing that anytime I Anytime one of us meets like a doubter of the faith, like, well, you know, if we just dig deeper into science, like if we just find that, you know, God really isn't true or anything, it's like, man, have you ever looked in a telescope? Like all of that just like poofed into existence? You know, we fly ships to Mars and we're amazed that anything other than God can create the living order? Or then we, we look, did I say telescope or microscope? I said, okay, I was like, man, I really failed science. So, um, <laughs> which it did. But anyway, so, and if we look deeper and deeper into stuff, we just see that there's so much power and in order that God has given the world. Like if you're ever wondering, is someone in charge? You know, just observe what is happening in your own body. You know, we're, we're amazed at the idea of, you know, the body taking care of itself. And if all of a sudden it doesn't and you're in pain, you take an Advil and your day goes on like normal. Like that's so amazing that God has just given this. But that's just on a macro level. Like observe the works of the Lord. But then if you go in on just a personal level and observe the works of the Lord, just look at your life for a second. Like your testimony is just like anyone else's testimony if you're in Christ and that you were, you were really far off. But not just like randomly down the road, but you were actually dead in your sins. Like you had no ability to see God in His goodness. He had no ability to see you as anything other than you were. But in God's goodness and at the right time, He spoke to you. And and it's like air filling a balloon where the Spirit speaks into your life. And all of a sudden, your eyes are able to see this holy and righteous God. And He causes you to see yourself for who you are and Himself for who he is. And, and that changes you to where you go, I don't want to be who I am right now. I want to be something new. And, and your life transforms. The, the Bible calls it being redeemed or being regenerated. Like you become born again. And if that's not just an amazing testimony of God's overwhelming goodness, God's overwhelming work in your life, then, then nothing in space or in a microscope will ever marvel you. Like, we, we too often become caught up in just wanting to see God work miracles when we can point to different people in this room and say, miracle, 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 miracle. The testimony of God's children should marvel us. And when we combine that, how do we not sing what we just sang this morning? Like, like how can we ever make it through all I, all I have is Christ without going, I'm about to cry and everyone's going to look at me and this is going to be weird. And you look over and they're weeping too. And it's like, yes, this is what God has called us to. And so we can worship because we observe his power in the created world around him. Where it says, how great are your works, O Lord. And we can say, very, very great. And we can worship because of that. So not only can we worship because he's good and faithful. Not only can we worship because of his power over this created order. But also we can worship, I think ironically now, because... The foolish don't understand. So look in uh, verse 6. It says, The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass, all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. You know, the, the marvelous truth about Scripture is that from the beginning in Genesis, there's this promise where God is going to bring 
someone who will deliver all of his good people. And it says there that from the seed of the woman ultimately will come someone who, it says, will crush the head of the serpent. The good news comes with ultimate salvation, but the good news also comes with ultimate judgment, where everything around you that is evil will be laid to waste. You know, I taught um, a first grade class last weekend, uh, which I probably won't ever again, but um, so I had, I got to teach the first grade class on Revelation 19 through chapter 22, which is, so it's like, here comes Jesus on a white horse, sword coming out of his mouth, eyes on fire, crown on his head, and he's, you know, wearing the belt of truth and everything, and you're like, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to draw that, but it ought to in some way make us marvel, but also freak us out. You know, I don't know about you, but anytime I watch like a war movie or sometime where, where good is overcoming evil, like nothing can compare to that. And it's really good that ultimately the Bible speaks to not only is God mercifully redeeming his people and bringing people to himself, but he's not going to lose that battle. Like he's not just putting people on the back of his wagon and saying, oh, I hope we make it through the fight. It's like, no, nothing can stop him at crushing out evil. And some of you might say, well, that's really mean. Like, why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just make everything good, like dead grass or, you know, shaky trees or bad people? And I think anyone who's been through anything where, like, true evil has been there, you know, oftentimes we confuse evil with, uh, like, Stranger Things, the new show on Netflix, where it's like stuff's just freaking us out and weird. But when there's real evil going on, whether in our world like abuse or death or disease or just terror, or just awful, awful people. You ask a person who's gone through that, what do you want to happen to evil? And, and they will say, I want it gone forever. And, and here we have in Scripture, we have a holy God who's looking at evil and Satan and his cohorts. And he's saying that you laugh like grass now and you flourish now, but you are doomed to destruction forever. I'll, I'll chant to that. You know, there's, there's the movie Hook, where you have Rufio and, you know, Hook, ultimately the bad guy, and everyone's chanting for everything. It's, it's always at the end of some kind of competition or a match where we're really excited that evil is done with, right? So last night I was um, watching the world champion Dallas Cowboys play the Rams of L.A., and growing up a Cowboys fan my whole life, I was quickly reminded watching this preseason game, it is a long time since I've ever gotten a cheer for the Cowboys in any, in any, like, they just toy with me every year. It's like, maybe this is the year that they don't do horrible. Nope. And, and in competitions like sports or anything, when you're, when you're faced with something and there's a winner and a loser, like, all of us wind up on this side where if we're fortunate enough to be on a winning side, like, of course we're going to chant, or of course we're going to taunt and chant against evil. Like, we just beat you. You know, and as Christians, we're the ones who are in the grandstands where it's Jesus walking off the field saying, it's finished. Victory is won over death. Like, all of sadness and despair has been swallowed up, and I have laid it to waste. And so that's when Christians, we get to worship that. Like, we come every week or at different times when you have different times of worship, we get to come and say, at the end of the day, we have this foretaste of what it's going to be like when the, the seed from that woman crushes the seed of the serpent. And we can't wait for that. 
And here he calls foolish people like those that sprout up like grass. Well, you, you and I might know that if you've toyed with grass at all, it is a fickle thing. You know, I, 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 uh, I'm no grass manager, but I plant a lot of grass twice a year. And every summer, if just a bit of sun touches it, it's like, see you later. Have a good summer. And you're like, great. So, but just that simple form of heat on it, it can't stand. And there's going to be a time where just a simple form of heat will touch evil and it will go away forever. And that is why we worship, because we're on that guy's side. You know, we're truly on the sun side. So we can worship because foolish things do not understand. The next way that we're able to worship is because we do not need to worry. The godly people don't need to worry here. Look at verse 8, it says, But you, O Lord, are high forever. Verse 9, For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered, but you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox, and you have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. Um, I'm the kind of guy that when I start reading a book, I always read the last chapter. I just can't handle the middle part. And I also read if I ever want to read it again. It's like, well, the end was boring. I can't imagine what the middle was like. So here we have this amazing glimpse of what the end is like, where all evil is gone. And, and if, you're, if you're anything like me, you are a worry wart. You freak out about everything. You know, I'm the guy who's spraying my house because of bugs and critters. And my wife is like, just found another critter. And I'm out here spraying, just crying. It's like, it'll never end. I'm just constant mosquitoes and ants everywhere. It, it, it just feels like it can never stop the evil of the world just won't stop attacking us. And here we know what the end is like. Even though we prefer time in temporal things, we can hope in eternity. Even though we prefer the things of the earth, we have hope that is ultimately in heaven. We long for the things of the world rather than we can worship instead the world's maker. And so here, our, our desire can be flipped over on its head where we don't need to worry because at the end, we're, we're still chanting that same rhythm where the Lord has accomplished all for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So friend, don't envy wicked, however grand and prosperous it is, for dark times are before them much more than they are for God's people. Last reason, I think, why we can worship here from Psalm 92 is that worshiping God and being with God ultimately allows us to flourish or grow righteously, flourish. So look at how now the psalmist is speaking about God's provision. It says in verse 12, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish in the courts of God. They still bear fruit in old age and they're, they are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Um, it would be weird if you wanted to compliment someone and said, you know what you remind me of? A cedar in Lebanon. You are really full of sap. <laughs> but here, Scripture tells us that when we are in Christ, when we are in a righteous place, 
with God that we are firmly planted in a righteous forest. So these trees of Lebanon, where Lebanon is kind of north of Israel, um, when many people think of the Middle East, they think of desert and despair. But there in this place, you have just millennia of trees who withstand time. They withstand the, the even, you know, I can't even think of the word, the, the, ways of the ways of the world, the ups and downs of life. I think many of us, we need to, we, we can, we're able to worship because we're the ones that are firmly planted in that. You know, because God has made us new and regenerated us, He has grafted in, Romans 11 says, He's grafted us into this firm tree. This picture kind of foretells what's going to happen in Revelation, where out of the true tree comes life and fruit. And, and even though, you know, the glimpses of the world show us that a lot of despair is around us and it looks like we're fading. I mean, you just look in the mirror. Tomorrow it's going to look worse. But as a Christian, you just know even in old days, we still bear fruit. Even in old days, we are full of life and evidence of God's mercy. And so we can rejoice and sing around that. The wicked may flourish, but like grass, our prosperity is long-lasting and eternal with God. Whereas verses 1 through 3 are all about what the Lord is, verses 12 and 15 describe also the life that we get to enjoy with Him, and it's a life of righteousness. So we can live without worry, and we can be people who just cheer up, because ultimately we're the ones flourishing with God. You know, evil may have its time now, and even though it looks like nature is failing, that doesn't mean grace is going away. It actually means that grace is ever-increasing in our life. And the righteousness is overflowing like oil that is washing away decay. So here we can just be reminded that we can ultimately worship because we're ultimately people who will flourish. So in conclusion, ultimately God reigns over righteousness in providing His Son, Jesus Christ, for us to be viewed more rightly in Him. So that when God looks at you, He doesn't look at the ways of your wickedness. He actually looks at the righteousness of Jesus and the perfection of the one and true Son of God. And when he looks at that same Son, he actually sees you all as Christ's brothers and sisters. You know, we all want people to represent us, right? We want a good political representation or we want, you know, a a homeroom teacher for our kids that models goodness and everything. And here we have this perfect picture of what it looks like to be truly represented. And he's saving his people, and he's judging evil, and he's allowing us to flourish like a deeply rooted tree in the forest of righteousness. That's why we can worship. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we can come together this morning and sing about what you've done for us and sing about what you continually do to us. I pray that this church will just be a model for the world, a beacon of hope in their new season, in the days ahead, that they will be known for their worship of you. God, we pray that you will continually make us into the likeness of your son because it was ultimately your son who loved the goodness of you. Father, we say all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Asher. Today we came here together and declare that the Lord is upright, that He is our rock, and there's no unrighteousness in Him. And as we scatter, 
Let us declare the same thing, that the Lord is upright. There is no unrighteousness in him. He is our rock. So today, go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a